Let's uh, talk about our sponsor this half hour. It's Relief Factor, 100% drug-free, created by doctors, and helps your pain because it reduces inflammation. Yeah, they have all these new things they're trying to do to get rid of pain. There's a company uh, making a mask that, uh, in, at intervals with your heartbeat, uh, it precisely times pulses of light and sound to stimulate the audio and visual cortex of your brain. And okay. like, you could try that. I mean, that's one thing to try. But, or you could just, yeah. just go to Relief Factor. Yeah. Find the relief you're looking for. 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start go on to order more. That says a ton. If you want your life back, the way to get it back is Relief Factor. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-583-84. relieffactor.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, um, maybe we should ban Beto uh, because Beto has said some pretty violent things in the past. Also, we found out this weekend that white people will be shooting up Asian churches within a generation. And, of course, we're still 12 years away. I know, clock is ticking. 12 years away from global warming disaster. And Al Gore says that more than 99.9% agree with him on global warming. Wow. And New Zealand. You can thank God today that we have the Second Amendment because New Zealand has decided to change the gun laws. We'll get into that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Blinds.com is celebrating 23 years of being number one in the online blind retailers in the world. Online retailers in the world. Now think of that. 20, 23 years? That puts, them, that puts them way before iPhones and smartphones when we were using our Motorola Razor. We had yeah. the flip phones. You don't stay number one for that long. Really, with, any, with anything. I, I, Bill O'Reilly is the only thing I can think of that was number yeah. one for about that amount of time. And and to think you were number one 23 years ago, who's buying them online? How could you possibly buy? Remember how long? And how long it took to download a picture? Yeah. How were you blind? How were you buying blinds? They had to make it super, super easy. And they did. And that's why they're still number one uh, today with all the technology that we can see anything, we can do anything on our phones. Now they're number one because they've made it really simple for you to be able to change the look of your house in a really inexpensive way. It's blinds.com. They make the whole experience amazingly simple. Every order gets free samples, free shipping, free online design services, 100% satisfaction guarantee if you accidentally mismeasure or pick the wrong color, and they'll remake make your blinds for free. Celebrate their anniversary with savings. Go to blinds.com now. Now through March 19th, you're going to get up to 45% off plus an additional 5% off. They're already great site-wide savings with the promo code back. 45% off for the sale, an additional 5% off site-wide with the promo code back. That's blinds.com, 
promo code Beck. Blinds.com, promo code Beck. So I was with uh, Tony Robbins uh, this weekend in Los Angeles. I I, um, went to one of his um, events and uh, I turned off my cell phone. I turned everything off, only checked it uh, once, and that was on uh, Thursday night. And I checked it because people were talking about the uh, shooting in New Zealand. I want to show you, uh, play some audio here because things have progressed over the weekend on this. Uh, Let me play the audio of care director blaming Trump for New Zealand shooting. Mr. Trump, your words matter. Your policies matter. They impact the lives of innocent people at home and globally. And you should condemn this not only as a hate crime, but as a white supremacist terrorist attack. And you need to assure all of us, Muslims, blacks, Jews, immigrants, that we are protected and you will not tolerate any physical violence against us because we are immigrants or we are minorities. This is unbelievable. Okay, stop. I've had enough propaganda. Remember, this is what CARE is. CARE was started by the Palestinian Committee, which was funded and started by the Muslim Brotherhood. They started two organizations. They started CARE. I mean, sorry, they started um, Hamas. And then the Muslim Brotherhood needed another arm outside of their uh, of the Middle East. And so in America, they started the Palestinian Committee, the Palestinian Committee had three uh, founding members of their propaganda arm. The propaganda arm, it it was started by that guy you just heard. He's one of the guys that was on the committee that started the propaganda arm here in the United States for the Muslim Brotherhood called CARE. That's who they are. And that's the way they should be introduced every time. The propaganda arm of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, I don't necessarily agree or disagree with anything that he said about condemning this violence, that no immigrant, nobody, nobody should be under this threat. No one should be. However, for him to for him to say that it is Donald Trump's fault is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Donald Trump is responsible for this. When when was Air Force One down in New Zealand? Did he make a state visit to New Zealand? Because I don't remember that. Anything anybody in New Zealand saw came from the mainstream media. Came from our media. And then the media in New Zealand picking it up. So if you really want to have direct blame, I think it would be from the media. And what the media is saying. Although that too is ridiculous. The guy who's responsible is the guy who walked into the mosque. Period. Period. It's a bizarre sign of how we worship the president as a as a position in this country, that we need him to come out, and every time there's a crime, for him to say, 
well, this type of violence is unacceptable. We have a constitution that says that. We have laws that say that. We all know that you cannot go into a church. There's no one, there's no way to justify it. There's no one who thinks it's okay. You do not need the president to come out every time and tweet to you uh, his disdain for a particular attack. Just like when Christians are being slaughtered in the Middle East that the media did not step up and cover at all uh, when that was going on. Uh, we all know that this is, this is, uh, these are terrible, terrible things. The idea that the story today is whether the president tweeted about it or not is it's disgraceful. It's it, it takes a really serious incident with really serious problems well, and, and 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 you know degrades it to nonsense. I will give you. I will. I, I will take um, a, a a slight difference. How dare you? Uh, How dare you? It, you, it, you agree when I say things, Glenn? There are times. There are times that uh, it does matter. If you come out and say something, for instance, if you are proposing legislation uh, to kill infants and commit infanticide, it is important that you come out and say, I am against this. However, the president has said, I'm against this. We're all against this. Inexplicably, there are two sides to that one where half of the country, one major party is saying, yeah, we should be able to do that. So... Taking a stand on that one's pretty clear. I, there's no there's no party that I know of outside of legitimately white supremacists, which we saw in Charlottesville. It was like the Super Bowl for white supremacists, and like 100 people showed up. So, I mean, this is a... Look, one person can do a lot of damage, and so, as we've said a million times, this sort of nonsense is, should go away, and it's it's despicable, but... Uh, you know, there's not a there's not a huge white supremacist movement in the United States. Uh, nor is there one in New Zealand. No, there's the one in New Zealand. There's right. not one in New Zealand. You know, either. and there's so uh, the idea that that needs to be the story today, I think, is is the it just it's a sign that every single story has to come back to Donald Trump I, to punish us for some ill we did thousands of years ago or something. Every single story has to be about Donald Trump. Is there anything that we can talk about? I can't even watch football anymore without them bringing up Donald Trump. Can, he's just the, he's the president. It's supposed to be a role. It's not even it's not even co-equal branches of government. Congress is superior to the president in our system. We can't yet all we do is focus on the president and what he's tweeted in the last 24 hours. I mean, I, all the coverage this morning was about because he's tweeting about some show on Fox. Why the hell are you covering him tweeting about the Fox lineup? Who cares <laughs> what he's saying about the Fox lineup? Like, they act I as if, like, I, well, we must step up and, and talk about the important things. What are you doing? You're making decisions on your programming based on what one man is tweeting every day. The worst title of any news show in modern history has to be CNN's New Day. Because it's always the same day. <laughs> the same day. Every day. Every story's the same, no matter what's happening. It's the same day. All days are the same day. There are no new days on CNN. All right, let me go to the uh, <sighs> Prime Minister of New Zealand. This will make you very, very grateful you have a Second Amendment. Listen to this. While work is being done as to the chain of events that led to both the holding of this gun license and the possession of these weapons, I can tell you one thing right now. Our gun laws will change. Now listen to this. There have been attempts to change our laws in 2005, 2012, and after an inquiry in 2017. Got it. Stop. They have tried to change the gun laws over and over again, but the people 
won't do it. The people won't do it. So now that everybody's ramped up and angry, the government can just step in and say, we're going to change the laws. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. That's absolutely the worst thing I've ever heard. That's an, that's an amazing admission, right? They're, they're admitting what we're looking for is to we're looking to take people who are emotional about a terrible incident and exploit that emotion to have them to make them do things they when soberly thinking about the issue didn't want to do we didn't want they didn't want to do this before when there wasn't a terrible tragedy but maybe if we try to take advantage of their emotion they'll do it this time you know what's and that's an admitted strategy what's amazing to me is where where does racism come from really when when this shooting where did it come from it came from irrational thought emotional irrational thought Mm -hmm. it came from i'm losing my country and we're losing our way and nobody's doing anything i gotta grab i gotta go kill everybody Mm -hmm. that's where that comes from and what is the media and the politicians what are they encouraging irrational thought who is talking about rational thinking nobody nobody is nobody is this is the result of not being rational this is the this is the the result of of doing everything your mother and father told you not to do calm down calm down calm down you know i have a i have a completely new understanding for the english in world war ii I've always thought it was, I always thought it was kind of a, oh, let me drink my tea with my pinky in my hand, and, 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 uh, and, and, and maybe we can have some crumpets as well. Uh, uh, let, let's, uh, let's have some biscuits. Um, whenever I saw the World War II poster that says, stay calm and carry on. I've always thought, oh, 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 just stay calm. The Nazis are coming. Don't they're stay bl- calm, right? They're blowing you up. <laughs> stay calm and carry on. Yeah. Yeah. That's be rational. Don't, don't think of the giant evil, the literal evil that is right across the water. And they're coming for you. They're coming to destroy you. Their poster was keep calm. Carry on. That's the best advice I've ever heard. And it didn't really occur to me until last week when everybody is freaking out about everything. And I thought to myself, everybody just needs to keep calm. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're the poster guy. I'm the poster guy. Stay (laughs) calm, everybody. Yeah. Because you can't make any good decisions. You never make them in that in that position. I mean, we all know you don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry. We know that much, but we're going to make gun laws for a nation. Well, you don't. I, mean, I don't. I, mean, we I, mean, don't. I, I know not I mean, to do my it, diet of Oreo cookies right. <laughs> would radically change if I listened to your stupid advice. All right, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's Relief Factor. If you're in constant pain, you are not alone. And I know because I've been there. Uh, millions of Americans have their pain dramatically changed. And change for the better. Their life, their quality of life goes up. Here at The Blaze, we've got people that I'm included in this, but we have several people who have old injuries. They have back pain, neck pain, yada, yada, yada. We have veterans that work for us. Can't get to bed, can't get to sleep because of pain that they're in. Relief factor. Will you just try relief factor? 
Relief Factor will take care of your pain. In 70% of the cases, it will at least dramatically reduce. There are days that I have pain, bad pain, but it has been greatly reduced by Relief Factor. I take it three times a day. I recommend you do the same. It's a drug-free, natural way to reduce the inflammation in your body and you can get your life back. Try it now. Three-week quick start, nineteen ninety-five. Try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, don't order more. 70% of the people, it works. And they order more month after month. It's relieffactor.com. Go there now. Relieffactor.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. Did you see the Beto stories this weekend? Yes. These are crazy. They are bizarre, dude. Crazy. It's weird, you know, being in Texas. We sat through this entire race. Oh, really? And uh, we, you know, focused on it quite a bit. Uh, The Cruz Beto O'Rourke race, or Bob Frank O'Rourke, as we like to call him. (laughs) Bob Frank. Bob Frank O'Rourke. Didn't hear any of these stories. And now, all of a sudden, when the option is not Ted Cruz, but it's Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris or... Or, you know, uh, Julian Castro. Now, all of a sudden, we're hearing the Beto stories. Uh, yeah, I didn't hear them. No. In fact, mm. uh, we found out this weekend that uh, there were members of the press that held these stories back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reuters actually had a story what? about Beto O'Rourke being part of a hacking group called the Cult of the Dead Cow. And it is one of the most, uh, it's the oldest and most influential computer hacking groups in U.S. history. He was part of this group back in the day, and he talked about this. He had he confirmed it to a Reuters reporter who was writing a book about this particular hacking group, but only under the condition that you don't release the information until after uh, the election is over against Cruz. Oh. So that is apparently an okay thing now. Okay. All right. I did okay. No. We can leak anything. We can leak national secrets, but that one. No, I've got a No, 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 no. I I made a I shook hands on that. You're giving the person again, who knows, would this have changed? Well, first of all, it would not have changed the election Cruz no. one anyway. Uh but the idea was it was a very close race. And so now we're at the point where we're giving veto rights to the person accused of the problematic activity. We're giving them veto rights as to when the story can be uh, uh, published. And and it's interesting, as you said, that it's only being published now, now that the left has to make a choice. Now that mm-hmm. now that the left has to make a choice and the right is not involved. So now there are people in the press who are like, I don't want O'Rourke. When it was O'Rourke or T- Ted Cruz, they're all in lockstep. Yep, 100% agree on that one. Right. And we now know that... What they say they learned their lesson on Barack Obama. You know, we did go a little easy on him, yeah. and there were some things. No, 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 you're doing it again. Yeah. And you're doing exactly the same thing. The excuse is great because you know, the excuse from the reporter is, look, I, had a, I was writing a book, mm-hmm. and I don't want to give away everything I have in my book, mm-hmm. and I, couldn't, I didn't have the story confirmed. They wouldn't confirm it until I agreed to those terms, so I couldn't. I didn't have the story until this actually happened. Now, you're fooling yourself if you think they would have held off on something from Donald Trump or Ted Cruz mm-hmm. about with the same standards. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, he his point was, I had to hold on to it for my book. Is the book out? I, I didn't read it in a book. I read it in a story, which is about the book mm-hmm. coming out. But mm-hmm. is the book out? Have you read the book? Did anybody read the book? 
It seems like now that he now that other Democrats are running against him, now ask her the book. Like I mean, I'm sure it's going to be in the book, but it seems to be a story completely separate from the book now. It's it's it's, it's truly unbelievable. It is um, amazing what they're doing. So not only did was he in this hacker group, but he also wrote some things about you know killing kids uh, that he says he's embarrassed for. But I think the most significant is the one that he wrote about how we need to destroy money. Did you read this? I don't think I saw the money one. I saw the kids one, which honestly oh, yeah. could have been the manifesto from the person in New Zealand. It was like that psychotic. It really, I mean, if you read it, again, he's a teenager, I guess, writing some weird fantasy and it's fiction. And I'm sure if you read Stephen King's writings back in the day, you'd also think he was psychotic. However, this is weird stuff. Talking about how how wonderful he felt running over 38 children and killing them. What? What's the problem with that? We do that all the time now. Do we? Yeah. White people. White people running over kids all the time. Oh, no, wait. No. No, no, no. That was the Muslim terrorist that was doing that. Uh, so it would be the white person that would have to kill the Muslim terrorist for doing that. I'm confused. I don't know where Beto stands uh, now. Was there anything? Was it? Was it killing white people? The little kids, do we know if there was any any race motive? Because there had to be. And if he doesn't say any motive for killing the kids, they it had to be racism. He it doesn't say, you're right, he doesn't say why. He just says it makes him happy because kids were happy. They were crossing, the children crossing the street. They were happy, happy to be free from their troubles. I knew, however, that this happiness and sense of freedom were too overwhelming for them. This happiness was mine by right. I had earned it in my dreams. And as I neared the young ones, I put all my weight on my right foot, keeping the accelerator pedal on the floor until I heard the crashing of the two children on the hood and then the sharp cry of pain from one of the two. I was so fascinated for a moment that uh, when after I had just stopped my vehicle, I sat in a daze, sweet visions filling my head. My dream was abruptly ended when I heard a loud banging on the front window. And he talks about an old man coming over. He says, I, as I drove home, I envisioned myself committing more of these acts of love. And after a while, I had no trouble carrying them out. I had killed nearly 38 people by the time of my 23rd birthday. And each one was more fulfilling than the last. Elect me for president. This is something that if you would have written it in my day in school, the teacher would have brought that to the parents and said... Your kid is disturbed. There's something wrong going with on? your kid. What is going on? That's not normal. You're listening to Glenn Beck. But have you noticed that all the psychos just keep uh, running for the Democratic Party? <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, LifeLock with Social Security numbers. They sell for a dollar on the dark web. That's it. Full medical records. Uh, can command up to $1,000 because they're identity thieves' dreams. They contain your date of birth, place of birth, credit card details, social security number, address. So despite all of this, the survey in 2017 healthcare providers found 16% have reported, reported having fully functional cybersecurity programs. So how much are you worth? Yeah, about worth about 1000 bucks. And they can take over your life. LifeLock is there to stand guard. Nobody can stop all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best. 10% off your first year by using promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK and get 10% off. LifeLock.com.
If you saw the media this weekend, you know the Second Amendment is under threat. We need a place for conservative voices to be. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. Join now. I have the honor to introduce you to one of the best people I know. His name is Mike Rowe. The Way I Heard It with Mike Rowe. This is a great podcast that gives a unique take on American history. He explores everything from pop culture to politics, athletes to actors, history to Hollywood. It's called The Way I Heard It, and he shares stories for the curious mind with a short attention span. Each episode is 10 minutes or less about a famous person or an event that you know, filled with surprise facts that you likely didn't know start with episode 36 oh brother i mean you want to talk about a family divided by politics this story revolves around another presidential election about making america great again i love the big reveal at the end but i won't spoil it for you you'll love it go to micro.com slash podcast and listen and subscribe to the way i heard it that's m-i-k-e-r-o-w-e dot com slash podcast that's micro.com slash podcast Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Uh, we are glad you're here. Uh, let me let me read. We welcome to the uh, program, Mr. Pat Gray. Hello, Pat. How are you? Good. And I know you want to talk about Beto uh, as well. Let me mm-hmm. let, I don't know if you guys saw this. Let me read uh, what Beto said. You know that he he had to apologize for his insensitive joke about his wife. Which I was up. not in the least insensitive. I no, don't, I didn't I think don't so think. either. I I don't even know that what was he's talking about. Strange. Okay, here's one. Here's an article that he wrote: uh, How the world would work without money. After changing the system, including the government, O'Rourke foresaw the end of starvation and class distinctions. Quote: To achieve a moneyless society, or have a society where money is heavily de-emphasized. A lot of things are going to have to change, including the government as we know it. This is where the anti-money group and the disciples of anarchy meet. O'Rourke wrote under a pseudonym, I fear we will always have a system of government one way or another, so we will have to use other means other than totally toppling the government. I don't think mm-hmm. the masses would support such a radical move at this time. Uh, yeah. Darn. Yeah. Uh. The things you worry about as a teenager. Yeah, right. And how old was he then? Uh, was that the 15-year-old Beto? Uh, no, this was, uh, that was something else that he wrote. This is, he's still a teen, but it doesn't give the age. Uh, let me see if I can find the actual uh, article. Uh, does not give a date. Yeah, 19, 1987. So it's in that okay, the cult, yeah, the cult publication that he wrote for under a pseudonym and again it's just it's more than anything it's it's weird right it's, it's a little yes. weird i don't think it means he can't be president because he wrote strange things in 1987 i don't know you know the the, the whole killing the children killer thing stuff that's weird pretty weird but, yeah, yeah i mean i mean beto bundy doesn't need to be president of the united states <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I don't, but i'm you, not voting for beto bundy I, yeah. I don't know about other people but i'm uh i'm very, averse to that it does sort of uh there's a symbiotic relationship between the new abortion policy of the democratic po- uh, party and and these writings however yeah, yeah they're, they're they seem to be embracing death an awful lot mm. they just kind of like death a lot it's like a death cult now yeah they love it, it is it is by the way we have joe lieberman on in an hour from now oh uh i'm anxious to hear uh i'm what... guessing joe's not part of the death cult 
No, no, no I don't think so. Yeah. I, I'm anxious to hear his view on what is it going to take for, you know, the Democrats like him, if there are any. Mm-hmm. De- and I don't mean the ones in Washington. I mean the ones that live in our neighborhoods. Get them to wake up and go, wow, this has changed a lot. This is not the Democratic Party that we knew. This is oh. this is mm-hmm. a dangerous cult. I don't. You know, I know Bill Clinton's not spoken out about this, but the way he governed, he shouldn't be able to even recognize people in the party now because no. he wasn't he wasn't this extreme. I mean, no. we've come a long way since 2008, you'd agree, I think. Yeah, I think we've come uh, a long way since 2016. Uh-huh. Right, I know. I mean, but consider again that Joe Lieberman spoke at the Republican National Convention in 2008. I mean, he Jeez. was the Democratic Party nominee for vice president in 2000. Like, it, it yeah. went that far. The guy went from the standard bearer, basically, of the party to uh, speaking and almost becoming the vice presidential candidate for the other party eight years later, he and was it's gone ahead. much further since. He was ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. He was really ahead of his time. When he he saw the extremism starting to take root... And he knew, he, I mean, I don't think he has any love for the Republicans. I mean, I don't think Joe has a bad bone in his body, so I doubt he, you know, he hates anybody. Um, but he doesn't necessarily have any love for the Republicans. No. I think he I think he just has recognized way early, before any of us really, how dangerous this was becoming. And now it's, I mean, I can't think of another name other than a cult. You know, a cult, mm-hmm. a cult doesn't let you out. A cult. I mean, think about what what do they say? This uh, the uh, Scientologist thing. They get information on you, and then they hold your feet to the fire. And if you want to leave, they're not letting you leave. They're not letting you leave. They'll destroy you before they let you leave. You come out. You try to say something against them. They destroy you. It's it's a cult. That's what this is. The Democratic Party has become a death cult. And they will destroy. Look at look at look at what they're doing. They destroy. It's like you get up in the morning. Who are we going to destroy today? And we're just following along. And they mean it. I mean, when Van Jones is not uh, comfortable or, or welcome, look at he spoke at CPAC. Now he got all <laughs> kinds of trouble for it, and you know that's well. Mm-hmm. That's a whole another issue. He got a, a whole bunch of trouble for speaking at CPAC from the right, and I think rightfully so. However, he's 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 reaching out going, uh, I don't really have a home here. I yeah. don't have a home. I don't have a home in the Democratic Party. I don't have a home here. The guy was a communist, may still be a communist. He a was a communist. communist. Revolutionary. <laughs> yeah. This guy was the most radical guy in the Obama administration, and he's no longer welcome. It's pretty amazing. What's that tell you? Yeah, when you think about Van Jones speaking at CPAC, that's certainly something you couldn't have imagined <laughs> in 2010. <laughs> no. We could not have imagined that. No. no. Because that's not like Joe Lieberman speaking at not the GOP. Not at all. No. This guy no. was a revolutionary communist. Things change fast, though. I mean, had you heard the name Beto O'Rourke as a you know, what, two years ago? I mean, I guess he was no. in Congress, but he was a completely unknown, unknown member of Congress. And mm-hmm. now he's the biggest fundraiser in history 
Well, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi couldn't even name a single accom- accomplishment when she was asked the other day. Mm-hmm. What what did uh, Beto O'Rourke, what would you say his major accomplishment was? She just babbled about energy for the well, next she three doesn't. minutes. <laughs> She's babbling about it. She can't even say, what did no you idea. have for breakfast this morning? She has no idea. Uh, yeah. She is. Yeah. She's, 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 she's kind of uh, lost her marbles. I think, yeah, I think something's wrong with her. I do, too. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Drew thinks something's not right with Beto O'Rourke, too. Dr. Drew? Dr. Drew. All right, good. So uh, that was, I, this was before he came, all this stuff broke about uh, the children, the fantasizing of running over children. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's kind of interesting because from the time I, I first saw him, it did seem something's not quite right with him. And now we're seeing some of the evidence of... You know, when he's writing at 15 and 16 years old about um, killing children and then doing poems about how he needs a butt shine and he's talking about cows. Did you read that one? No. No, I <laughs> So I didn't, I read, didn't read the cow butt shine <laughs> poem. Uh, some, some good stuff. I'm um, not at that, my, at that point with my relationship with Beto. I am. Are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, okay. yeah, we're, we're right. like this. All right. Uh, he authored a poem called The Song of the Cow. The Song of the Cow. And an excerpt is, I need a butt shine right now. You are holy, O sacred cow. I thirst for you. Provide milk. Buff my, I'll say giblets. He used a different word. Uh, Love the cow. Good fortune for those that do. Love me. Breathe my feet. The cow has risen. Mm, Powerful. Wax my A word. Scrub my giblets. The cow has risen. Provide milk. Mm. If that isn't the next president of the United States, <laughs> I, I don't want to live in this country anymore. That, that type of poem powerful. is the surest path to the presidency. What the hell is, uh, <laughs> so what does Drew say about him? <laughs> so he says that something is just off. Something is, is wrong with the guy, and he can't quite put his finger on it. But uh, <laughs> there's something not right. I don't know what it is. Uh, and he's he's... He has promised to get back to us when he figures it out. <laughs> okay. So, All right. He okay. couldn't tell by the um, bizarre hand gestures constantly. No. I, I was very happy to see Jimmy Fallon pick up on that particular thing that Beto does, which he has the very strange hand gestures. Uh, when you're thinking about the presidential like nickname that Beto would surely get, I think Sweaty Beto is a good one because if you ever watched him in Texas, you notice every time mm-hmm. he's on a big debate stage, if he's doing a big speech, he's very sweaty dude. Oh, and it's completely it, pitted it out. It would totally get into his it's head nasty. to use Sweaty Beto, and it has a nice <laughs> ring to it. Uh, although I also like wacky, waving, inflatable, <laughs> arm flailing tube man Beto because <laughs> That's that good. He, he is a little long. Yeah, but, but he is a long for Twitter. Yeah, you know, it is a little long for Twitter. Mm-hmm. However, him standing out in front of a mattress store, yes. uh, doing a speech is exactly. <laughs> yeah the same thing exactly right <laughs> if you exactly right. on a Saturday how bizarre sale. was that when he announced next to his wife i mean he's sitting on a couch next to his wife Have you seen that video she seems like a hostage not an admiring <laughs> right. wife yeah and he is he is throwing down with the finger the whole time he yeah. is just yeah. his yeah. one hand is just throwing down the finger like i will kill her Unless you, <laughs> unless you it's subscribe to my 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 cult, I will kill her and her children. And you're like, wait, is the, what's happening? Your here? children too? Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, I, it's a little. It's really strange. Thanks, guys. Back Ray Unleashed, the podcast available wherever you get those podcasts, uh, as well as watching on the uh, Blaze TV, uh, BlazeTV.com. 
uh, slash Glenn to sign up. Field of Greens. It's all you need. Mm. Unless you're married to Tanya. Well, Glenn, March is National Nutrition Month. Shut up. So I'm sure Tanya's aware of that. And uh, I'm sure that's the only reason she wants you to eat a little healthier. Because, I mean, you're doing the rest of you. You're doing such a good job on your own mm-hmm. that I'm sure she's not at all encouraging the mm-hmm. field of greens. I'm sure mm-hmm. she's not at all making sure that you occasionally have a nutrient in the food. She's that like, you uh, can't you feel the greens for you? And it was in a green smoothie. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's the point of field of greens. I don't have to have the green smoothie. And right. She's like, there's no celery in it. And I'm like, you're changing the subject. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I drank it on the way in because there is tons of celery in it. Tons of (laughs) celery. And I just lied to you about celery. She's lying. She's lying about you can see it. Look at her. She just looks like a liar about celery. Mm -hmm. Nothing else. But about celery. She looks like one of those liars. So here's the here's the great thing. Uh, If you're not married to Tanya, which you damn well better not be. You can just have all of your nutrients and feel the greens. You can just knock that back, and it's easy. Eating healthy has never been my thing. If it's not your thing, you can uh, you can do it without the celery juice. It's BrickHouseGlen.com, promo code G-L-E-N-N, BrickHouseGlen.com. Get Field Greens, 15% off your first order now at BrickHouseGlen.com, promo code Glen. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Here's Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Hi, Fallon. I'm Beto O'Rourke, and I'm excited. So That's it. I'm just excited. Oh, yeah. I'm also running for president of the United States. I love the United States, and I love running. In fact, I literally just ran eight miles to get here. Folks often say to me, we don't know much about you, Beto. We know you ran against Ted Cruz in Texas. We know you're hot. And then usually the hot thing comes up again. But who's the real Beto O'Rourke? Well, I'm sort of like if a compassionate head nod turned into a person. Because the truth is, I care. I care so much. When I eat salads, I thank every individual leaf for its sacrifice. When I donate blood, I don't let them stop until last possible second. God, this country's great. Anyway, the question I get most is, can you actually beat Donald Trump? And the answer is, heck yeah. I was born to do this. I'm like if your friend's hot dad had the energy of a golden retriever. (laughs) Thanks, Evelyn. God, I feel so passionate right now. I love America. I love democracy. I love air. Now, do I have the perfect record? No, sure. I've done my fair share of whippets in 7-Eleven parking lots. But hey, that crap just makes me relatable. Oh, wait, did I just curse? You bet your crap I did. Better still got a little bad boy in him. Pretty. Fun. I hope he continues to do that because the hand gestures thing is a is a big feature that people don't realize about Beto. If you didn't really closely watch the Texas race, uh, he has a very odd problem with sweating on a big stage and violent hand gestures. So here's the thing: he will continue to do that unless he's the nominee against Donald Trump, right? And then, then you will never see the hand gesture <laughs> thing ever again. Uh, here he is. This is the real Beto on banning AR-15s. We allow people in this country to buy weapons that were designed 
engineered and sold to the United States military for the express purpose of killing people as effectively as possible in as great a number wait, wait, as wait, possible. Wait, wait, wait. And an wait. AR-15 gunshot wound. That high impact. Stop, high stop, stop, stop. I got away. We got. Listen to that. They were designed and built to kill and sold to the U.S. military to kill people in the most effective way. Y- yes. Yeah. Shouldn't everything that the military is buying <laughs> when it comes to a weapon be designed and built to kill people the most effective way for the military? Yeah, that's what they should be buying. Well, but that's the point that the regular people shouldn't have them. Well, no, but what he's he's he is actually um, uh, making it sound as if that gun was designed to kill people. It wasn't. It was designed as the modern hunting rifle in the 1950s. This is how old this technology is. We had this in the 1950s. It was called the modern sporting rifle. The the federal government saw that on sale, uneg- unregulated, and said, "Hey, could you could we buy this? Could we buy these guns for our yeah, military?" It's different, obviously. The one they use in the military has some different features, but I mean, when you are going to design a new weapon and you realize the military might be a potential candidate to give you giant government contracts a lot of weapons are designed with the idea that they'll be used by the military and in fact every one we've ever had has been used by the military of course the military is going to use weapons that is that is what they that's what the military does yeah that doesn't mean that you that the regular people behind me have in, it. In fact, in, it's the behind me in this studio is a gun that was used by the british in the revolutionary war it was designed by the British to kill people in the most effective way possible. It, it's a black powder gun. Of course, that's what the military does. What a dope. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Uh, sponsor this half hour is Patriot Mobile. Glenn, Patriot Mobile uh, is a great company because they've actually taken a stand. Yeah, Patriot Mobile is going to give you the same exact service that you have right now. So you're going to get all the same coverage because everybody uses the same cell towers. Yeah. Okay? It's not like the old days. So you get the same great service. You're going to save about, uh, I don't even want to say because I remember a number and I'm not sure it's right, but it's a huge number that you're going to save for the same service. But... Your money goes to a company that agrees with you. I mean, stop putting your money into cell services where they're taking that profit and they're plowing it into things like Planned Parenthood. Join us. Join us right now with Patriot Mobile. Go to PatriotMobile.com. PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. PatriotMobile.com slash blaze. Get your activation fee waived. Join us right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Most Americans still incorrectly think that gun murder rates have gotten worse in America. It's not so. 
the United States has the highest gun murder rate in the developed world. Mm, no, not so. Was everybody's freaking out about guns? Let me tell you the truth about guns. And in fact, I just got a surprising backup, a nice little boost from a very unexpected place. The Washington Post. I'll share that in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Wait, I don't know if you saw this article. Wait until you see. Wait until you see what the truth is on guns and then compare it to what you're hearing. Simply Safe Home Security, an amazing company. We're back to the show in one minute after I tell you about Simply Safe. This is a company that was started by a young guy just trying to help his friends who had rented apartments. Now they are completely monetizing and completely changing uh, uh, an entire industry, the security industry. SimplySafeBeck.com. They're exploding because they have a great service. They have a really unbelievable price, and they do what they say. It's a great, um, uh, a great system. The brand new technology, the latest technology. It's all wireless, so you can have somebody monitor your home. You can have somebody call the police, the fire, whatever. You have a, a really clear snapshot of whoever broke that window, whoever opened that door. So it's not some blurry, you know, 7-Eleven image where they're like, uh, kind of looks like this kind of dark blob. What? What is black and white and it's all grainy? I can't. I mean, everybody looks like that when it's out of focus. Not with Simply Safe. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Going to cost you $14.99 a month to be able to have the 24 hour security monitored the whole time. Uh, plus, there's no contract, so you're in charge of your own life. SimplySafeBeck.com. Get a 10% discount now at SimplySafeBeck.com. Get the 10% discount. You'll get free shipping, free returns, and 10% off at SimplySafeBeck.com. So I, I wrote a book on gun control called Control a few years ago. And in it is the section, the United States has the, gun, uh, the highest gun murder rate in the developed world. Yeah, that chapter and the six chapters that follow it uh, are all trying to say the same thing. No, that's not true. Now we have the Washington Post confirming. Listen to this. Quoting the Washington Post. Gun homicides have dropped substantially over the past 25 years, but most Americans believe the opposite to be true. Why? <laughs> Why do you think, Stu? Uh, wow. I just can't think of any reasons. I know. But the media is asking, why do people believe the opposite? Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. Could be because of what the media reports and what everybody is feeding you. Amnesty International says, quote, gun violence is an epidemic. So does the BBC. In fact, the BBC wants you to know that America is too crazy about guns that it can't even decide between, I'm quoting, an Apple MacBook and an AR rifle, like the one used in many of the nonstop mass shootings. If you're an American, you're probably asking yourself, should I get a Chromebook or a handgun like the one used in the Las Vegas shooting? End quote. Really? Is that really? That's what Americans are thinking about? Really? 
Now, this, of course, is according to the BBC, the leading news source for a country in the throes of a knife crime epidemic where they're taking your kitchen table knives. But I'm I'm glad that the um, the British are on our gun control problem and how it's out of control, even though they are also arresting uh, for such crimes as, quote, being a comedian named Count Dankula. They've arrested him because he taught his pug to salute like a Nazi. They've also arrested recently a mother who dared called a transgendered woman a man on Twitter. So, you know, they've 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 got the facts uh, down. Then, of course, you could take it from Vox, who uh, reported uh, last uh, last year that gun control or that gun violence was on the rise. You can take it from the New York Times that reported in last December that nearly 40,000 people died from guns in the U.S. last year, the highest in 50 years. Now, maybe the Washington Post should read the Jill Abramson book. Uh, she used to be the New York Times executive director, and she said in her book, quote, Although the media has historically always been left-leaning, we've abandoned our pretense, or at least the effort, to be objective. Today, we become political activists, and some could argue propagandists. And there's some merit to that. End quote. That, again, is the former New York Times executive editor, so you want to know why people don't believe that that gun-related murders are down and the lowest is because of the media. So now we have this claim and reason to be suspicious that nearly 40,000 people died from guns in the U.S. last uh, last year, the highest in 50 years. You'll have to notice the very clever use of words because it's an act of framing. It's a common tactic that the media uses. You compare some tiny, docile, uh, homogeneous nation to America, which is a massive country with people from numerous different nations, uh, ethnicities. There's no country like the United States of America and a country that gained its independence mainly through the use of a gun and it is enshrined as a right. No other country has this as a right. Comparing America to Japan, comparing America to Norway, especially on thing, well, really anything. But when it comes to violence, it is it is like comparing uh, it's like comparing lettuce to a wolf. And they'll say, oh, my gosh, wolves. Wolves are just tearing people apart. See, see, wolves, they're eating so many people. Far more people are eaten by wolves than by a head of lettuce. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, because it's a head of lettuce. So let's look at countries just for kicks. Have you ever scrolled through gun-related deaths in Honduras? Have you ever looked in El Salvador or Jamaica or Brazil or Colombia or Guatemala, even Mexico? Why is it that the, the United States, our press, only wants to compare us to Canada, our northern partner, 
and not our southern partner, who we're supposed to love and respect and just think they, they were the cat's meow. But even just a little, just, just a glimpse into Canada, it isn't the Eden that journalists and Democrats imagine. But thankfully, NPR is doing real hard-hitting journalists on this subject. We found a chart that compares the U.S. gun deaths to countries with the lowest rates of gun deaths worldwide. Let me say that again. They compare our gun rates with the countries that have the lowest gun deaths in the world. That's like saying Fifty Shades Free, you know, the third movie of Fifty Shades uh, Gray. Oh, the third movie. Oh, I mean, it is so, it's so good. I mean, you know how good it is because it has a much higher rating on the Rotten Tomatoes than all of the movies with a zero rating on (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes. No. How about we look at Venezuela? Now, this is a country that was a lot like ours in many ways. This is a country that that had everything going for it. It was a capitalist nation. It was it had its own problems, but it wasn't violent. People weren't starving to death. Now it's gone through an economic collapse. It also happens to have a devastating gun murder rate. It regularly leads the world in gun homicides and gun deaths. Now. Is that because they have something like the First Amendment, where they just let everybody and anybody have a gun? No, no. The left here in America says we need to regulate guns to curb gun violence. So if Venezuela would just enact some gun control laws, you know, some common sense gun control laws, like the control of arms, munitions, and disarmament law... If they would just pass that, then the citizens wouldn't kill each other because then the citizens um, would be completely disarmed. They wouldn't have a right to a gun. Well, that's exactly what they passed in 2012. You as a Venezuelan don't have a right to a gun in Venezuela. You can't have one. Only government approved officials are allowed to own a gun. And the penalty for carrying a gun is 20 years in prison. So they have some pretty major league gun control there. Now, that passed in 2012. Unfortunately, in 2015, the homicide rate in Caracas, Venezuela, was 122 per 100,000 residents. Now, remember, I don't want to compare, you know, lettuce and wolves. So let's compare a bad country in bad shape to a bad country, America, that's got just got a gun related uh, epidemic going on. Venezuela, 122 per 100,000 residents were killed. So America's got to be worse, right? Because we're in an epidemic. We're in the throes of a spiraling epidemic. Venezuela was 122. We've got to be at least 244. No, actually, the death rate here in America, the homicide rate in America was 4.9. 
which, by the way, is under the global average of 6.2. And the gun homicide rate was even lower. Now, this is odd, because as the BBC points out, the United States ranks at the top of the list of countries with civilian gun ownership. We have almost 400 million guns, far more than second place on the list. Do you know who the second place winner is? Yemen. Third place is Montenegro. Followed by a list of other Mr. Rogers countries like Canada, Finland, Iceland, and Cyprus. But as you see with Venezuela, the evidence points overwhelmingly to the fact that cutting access to guns does one thing. Disarms law-abiding citizens, making criminals' lives much, much easier. Guns allow potential victims to defend themselves when the police aren't there. Have you noticed that the media is making a big deal out of the citizen, and I think he is a hero, the citizen in New Zealand that used an arrow of some sort and threw it at the gunman and broke a window next to him, which threw him off. Then the guy looked at him, didn't shoot him, and then ran. And the guy with the arrow ran after him. Imagine if the guy with the arrow didn't have an arrow, but had a gun. Would we still look at him as a hero? Guns allow potential victims to defend themselves when the police aren't there. It wasn't until the 1970s and Jimmy Carter that we started calling first responders the police and fire. The first responder was you. That was always the first responder. You waited for backup with the police. Not the first responder. Responder, You're there. The first responder is the one who sees the fire in the kitchen. Grab the fire extinguisher while someone is calling 911. We've had a national conversation about guns for two centuries. It's just that the left doesn't like the way it's turned out. We settled this in 1791. But... They don't like the way it turned out. Listen to the prime minister now of New Zealand and what she said about gun control now in New Zealand. Listen to this. While work is being done as to the chain of events that led to both the holding of this gun license and the possession of these weapons, I can tell you one thing right now. Our gun laws will change. There have been attempts to change our laws in 2005, 2012, and after an inquiry in 2017. Stop. There have been attempts to change it. But the progressives don't like the answer. So they wait for a tragedy where they can just enact the laws. Because everybody's freaking out. Let me give you again how the Washington Post concludes their article quote democrats are both more likely to support new gun restrictions and to believe that the rate of gun murders is higher than it was in 1994 the year that it was at a near peak of violent crime in recorded u.s history does the latter inform the former the good news is quoting the washington post 
that gun homicides are down substantially, both as a raw total and as a function of population since 1994. The bad news, still quoting the Washington Post, is that many Americans just don't seem to realize that. So now there's a national shortage of auto technicians, and they're saying it's going to make your it make your car getting fixed even more expensive. They're having a hard time finding younger employees who are qualified. The industry, they say, this is the car industry, is aging, and most of the good techs are on the older side. A lot of kids coming out of high school today, they just want to work on computers. Well, you're still working on computers, but it's not at a bench. It's under a car. We got a real problem with people that just think that the jobs are beneath them. These are really important jobs and people aren't doing it. So when it comes to costly repairs, that price is going up. You need to make sure that you are not hit with a car repair bill that you that just puts you under. Car Shield is there. If your car is out of warranty, they will cover you. CarShield.com. Call 1-800-CAR-6000. 1-800-CAR-6000. Use the promo code Beck and you're going to save 10% off your first year. Mention Beck, B-E-C-K, or visit CarShield.com. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, it does not mean you have to pay high repair bills. They have already paid out over $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Save yourself thousands in future car repairs. Call 800-CAR-6000, 800-CAR-6000, or go to carshield.com, promo code BECK. We break for 10 seconds, station ID. I'm uh, excited to talk to Joe Lieberman. I haven't talked to Joe in how long, Stu? How long has it been? A very long time. 20 years? Yeah. Joe and I are, uh, we're good friends. Uh, Joe uh, helped me get into uh, Yale. Um, And (laughs) I mean, he regrets it deeply, I'm sure. A lot of uh, asterisks around this conversation. I mean, you guys were, you've had your ups and downs, I would say, over the years. Yes. Um, But uh, he's always been kind of a voice, the voice of the Democrat youth, like, the de- my grandfather's yeah. Democrat. The Democrats that yeah. you could get along with, you know, and you don't agree with them. I mean, geez, he ran with Al Gore. Right. For the love of Pete. Um, he voted against the Clinton impeachment. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, was still sponsored global warming sort of uh, right. legislation that you didn't agree with up right. until he left the Senate. But I mean, right. he, this is a guy who was basically booted out of the Democratic Party during a, a primary. Yeah. And he's a he's a good mm-hmm decent man good decent man um and uh he's coming on i asked him to come on uh because i just i'd like to hear from him what is it going to take before people wake up democrats good democrats who i disagree with and they disagree with me what is it going to take for them to wake up to the fact that the democratic party has been hijacked by absolute radicals anti-semitic revolutionaries that are anti-free market i mean it is not the democratic party that it even was in 2008 it's the democratic party that i warned you they would become in 2008 
I said they are being led now by socialists. These are Marxist, radicals, revolutionaries. These are the guys that embrace the weather underground. Well, that, and that was racist, by the way. Yeah, that was all racist. Now that all the, the socialists are white, that's no longer apparently racist yeah. uh, to, to believe. So now everybody who's running, they won't even say they're for the free market. The, the Senate will not vote against infanticide. They will not stand up to people like CARE. Instead, CARE changes the whole thing on Congresswoman Omar, uh, where she is clearly anti-Semitic, and they won't condemn. I mean, what is it going to take for people that vote for Democrats to realize you're in trouble? You're in real, real trouble. And if you empower them... I don't know what it means for all of us. I mean, when it comes to anything good, I don't I don't know how that ends well. Uh, Joe Lieberman is going to be joining us uh, next. Hopefully, um, he'll have some answers for us and provide some perspective and ways to reach out to your Democratic friends and neighbors and and help them understand. This is not the Democratic Party of 2000, 2008, even 2016. You're listening to Glenn Beck. All right. If you're thinking about selling your home, um, now is the time to do it. And if you need a great real estate agent, please, we have a recommendation for you. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Americans uh, are are leaving these tax-heavy utopias that are anything but, and they are moving to places where there are lower taxes. Like, oh, lo and behold, Texas is one of them. Florida is another one. They're moving from California. Well, if you're moving from California and you're coming to Texas, how do you find a real estate agent? Well, let me tell you, you don't. But if you want to move from someplace like California, elsewhere besides Texas, we can help you find the right real estate agent. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Buying or selling a house, get the professional real estate agents I trust. Coming up, Joe Lieberman. In case you happen to miss it, you have to step out of your car. Uh, you can always get the podcast of this program wherever podcasts are distributed. Mary, the child you bear will become the greatest of men. From the network that brought you the Bible. There has been talk about Jesus. They say he's healing the sick. Comes the life of Jesus Christ. His preaching is what concerns me. He's helping people. From those who knew him best. We are his followers. We've seen him do wondrous things. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus, his life. Monday, March 25th at 8 on History. Senator Joe Lieberman, who has been a gentleman uh, his whole career and has been a guy that both sides uh, could look at, even if we strongly disagree and say he's a decent uh, man uh, who just wants what's best for the country. And we just disagree. Uh, Joe Lieberman joins us now on the program. Joe, how are you, sir? Uh, Glenn, I'm I'm uh, much better after I heard your great, generous introduction. Thank you very much. It's it's great to be uh, talking to you again. Yeah, our our friendship goes back a lot of years. It does. 
Joe, Joe, I I wanted to talk to you because of the op-ed that you wrote, but a little deeper than that. Um, You you talked about um, uh, Elon Omar's comments uh, about Israel, a moral test for the Democratic Party. Can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, well, um, I I must say that in my lifetime, I'd have to stretch to remember, and I can't remember another time when an elected member of Congress spewed forth that kind of uh, explicit and really uh, grotesque anti-Semitism. And I can't help but compare it to the uh, experience I had in 2000 when I got nominated to run for vice president with Al Gore and first Jewish American to have that honor. And I didn't, people always ask me, did you face anti-Semitism? I honestly didn't. Uh, And uh, wow, what a change. And to me, it was a moral test for the uh, House of Representatives and specifically the House Democratic Caucus because leaders affect uh, the behavior of everyone else. And so here you have a congresswoman with a following uh, saying something really contrary to all of our best values and the history of the Democratic Party, and it needed to be condemned with as much directness as she spoke, and it wasn't. I mean, uh, what, what, what emerged was a hodgepodge resolution that seemed to condemn all kinds of bigotry, and I think it it leaves her words standing, which is not good for the Democratic Party and not good for the country. So you said um, that this, the, the, the Democratic leadership mumbled, and they must not mumble. They must be clear, which I agree with. But yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you, you know, there's a, there's a serious issue of this uh, in the Labor Party over in England. And England right. has been going off the rails for a while on anti-Semitism, and we're seeing the same stuff happening and it it usually coincides with the rise in socialism and nationalism when those things start to rise is i think the jewish people are a canary in the coal mine they're the first ones um so i'm looking at this i'm seeing this i'm seeing that the senate would not take the easiest vote ever and say no we're not going to kill children after they're born it's the easiest vote ever yeah. The the number sure. there's not a single person running in the Democratic Party that will stand up and say that they are a capitalist. They hem and haw and mumble. <laughs> what what will it take for for regular Democrats to wake up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I mean, even the ones in Washington, the Labor Party, you have party members standing up and exposing. And if they don't change it, they're leaving. Six of them have left. And I'm not saying where you go. I'm just saying, is there anybody that's going to stand up in this party and say, we're in trouble, guys? We're, we're... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, the way you phrase the question, Glenn, is exactly right, because I know from personal conversations <clears throat> that the, there are a lot of Democrats in Congress who, who don't buy into this socialism as a solution to our problems and and um, um, the government can take care of everything, uh, all your needs, and don't worry uh, how it's going to be paid for, because it's going to be paid for by higher taxes, and, and, and it's going to be paid for by higher taxes on the middle class. But they're, they're, they're intimidated, I guess, uh, and to some extent this happens in both parties in different ways, yes. by the active 
um, minority. But uh, honestly, for me to look, capitalism has worked here, and we found our own way to do it. It's it's not pure capitalism with the markets just take care of everything because we've we, we've we've added uh, support for people who can't take care of themselves. We've done some regulation, maybe sometimes too much regulation. But wow, has this system worked? And you know, it's still working today. I, I know there are still some inequities. I know some people have uh, fallen outside of uh, the economic mainstream. But look at the unemployment numbers. They're so low. Look at the stock market continuing to be high. I mean, this is the, still the greatest economy in the world. So why would you want to dump it for something that failed miserably in the Soviet Union and Cuba and now is just ruining a, a wonderful country, which is Venezuela? It, it just makes no sense. And I think it's following the mob. And, but that mob does not constitute, in my opinion, a majority or even a plurality uh, within the uh, this country. And it, for me, it's the way the Democratic Party um, is a, uh, makes itself into a losing party, not a not a successful winning party again. So, Joe, I'm I'm having a hard time convincing my audience, um, and I believe this, and I think I think the majority of of I can't even say this. I, I don't know how many people believe this, but I do that the average Democrat who is my neighbor right. is not for mm-hmm. infanticide, not for an end of the free market. They're not anti-Semites. Uh, They're not for any of these things. But what is it going to take to wake them up to the hijacking of this party? Because if it's dead it's dead right. if it doesn't wake up. Right. So I agree with you, incidentally, uh, totally, that, uh, that uh, the, the loudest voices in the Democratic Party, and, and it's either in Congress uh, or it's uh, the, the candidates for uh, the presidential nomination in 2020, honestly do not represent the rank and file of the party. And uh, the, listen, the best way for that to be changed is for uh, the, the Democrats who who are mainstream Americans, very loyal Americans, not socialists, certainly not anti-Semites, to come out and vote in the primaries and hopefully find a candidate that they feel reflects um, their point of view. Um, and, you know, I, I want to say, to looking at the House of Representatives itself, and, and I got involved in the last election with a group called No Labels that mm-hmm. was working to elect center-right Democrats and center, excuse me, center-left Democrats, center-right Republicans to try to create a, a center group which will work together, negotiate, compromise, get something done. And uh, really, the Democrats took over the House of Representatives majority, not because of Ocasio-Cortez or, or um, Omar or Tlaib. It's the, a whole bunch of really first-rate uh, centrist Democrats who believe in the things you just talked about, Glenn. And incidentally, they had to do that because they won swing districts or even Republican districts. And with the kind of uh, socialistic uh, and occasionally anti-Semitic extreme rhetoric, they never could have won those districts. So that's the hope of the party if they will if they will stand up, speak out. This is what I why I said that the House Caucus of Democrats failed the moral test because they. They kind of covered over uh, Congresswoman Omar's um, error, her, her evil 
uh, and, and once you do that, um, you know, it's it's an old line from Dante, the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in times of moral crisis try to preserve their neutrality. Mm-hmm. It's not time to mumble. It's time to stand up and speak clearly against this nonsense. So do you see, and let me ask Stu, mm-hmm. because he, he's been following this, um, yeah. Is there a single person, Stu, that has come out? I mean, even CNN uh, blasted them for this. Is there right. a single candidate that has come out that has said they are a capitalist? Because you said, Joe, you know, vote for somebody who is not that way. Is there a single one so far? For the, on the capitalist question, there has been a couple. On the ca- Even Elizabeth Warren claims to be a capitalist. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Beto said that this weekend. Okay. But I mean, even without using names, I'd be curious, Senator, if you, what is your... Yes. What is what is the number? Of, there's 15 announced candidates. Is there? You have an idea of the number of, of those candidates that represent what you believe is the average regular Democrat? You don't have to use names. No, I, I'd say right now, based on what I've heard, probably two or three wow. <laughs> aspire to it. It's really shocking. And... Uh, I mean, uh, they, they've gone way beyond. Just look at recent history. Who are the Democrats who won? And I'm not saying you, you have to say they were you loved them or you hated them, but uh, Carter, Clinton, and Obama. Now, Obama was probably the furthest of that group to the left, but you couldn't say he was an extremist the way, the way he ran. He ran on American values, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it, uh, now the, the, here's the encouraging thing. If I'm right, there's only two or three of the 15 who feel this the, the way we've talked about, the way that actually has a chance to, to get a majority or a plurality of votes. Then the others are going to split up that, that other vote, and uh, uh, maybe one of those uh, centrists will have a chance to actually get the nomination. Honestly, we can hope and pray because, look, America needs two strong parties that are not extremist parties. That's been our always been our hope, and it's always been what's worked for our country, because ultimately they get together and they solve problems. I mean, President Reagan, Tip O'Neill, President Clinton, Newt Gingrich, uh, really uh, very different, but they they both, they all those pairings rose to the occasion, and uh, we we desperately need that to happen again. That took courage, and I I see it It very rarely, and I've, I've posed these same questions to Mike Lee. What is yeah. it going to take, Mike, before somebody stands up? Because I, I really believe, Joe, that the, the, um, uh, the wall, we don't want a wall because it's racist. We don't want a wall because, uh, because we even think it's really that effective. We want a wall because we don't believe Congress will actually do anything that will last. They can say one thing, but then they'll go and do the opposite, either after the next election or even even when they're not close to an election. The wall is really more of a statement, I think. The American people, at least those on the right, don't trust Congress or any administration to get this done and leave it alone and 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 go with it yeah no i i think there's a lot there in in what you're saying and and this is actually a perfect example glenn of what's wrong with our political system now because we're fighting over something that really both sides agree on and because here's what i mean because i think because president trump is so focused on the wall the Democrat, a lot of Democrats are saying, well, well, the heck with that. I'm going to be against it if he's for it. But look back. I mean, under Clinton and Obama, money was appropriated and spent to build 
a wall in parts of the right. uh, the southwestern border. Last year, uh, Democrats put up an immigration bill in the Senate, which uh, didn't get passed, but it had a fair amount of money in it to, to build other parts of the wall uh, and uh, along the border. And I think the president understands that it's not you can't build a wall. And he said this, you can't build a wall in every yes. um, part of the border. It's just not uh, topographically possible. And there's other things you can do. But do you, does a wall help in some parts? Of course it does to, to basically um, as, uh, implement the rule of law, which is that we have rules for how you get in here. We're a country that's always been very welcome welcoming to immigrants. They've been part of our strength, but there are rules. These are rules of law, and uh, you can't just violate them without some um, some response from the government. So, I mean, it's a classic case, and you're absolutely right. So people give up on the Congress. And tonight, if you look back at Obama, President Obama, he too started a govern by executive mm-hmm. order mm-hmm. on different issues, climate change, uh, immigration, because he because he gave up on Congress, and in some ways, President Trump and a lot of people have done the same on immigration because mm-hmm. they've given up on Congress. Joe Lieberman, I miss you. It's good to hear I miss your voice you too, my friend. Thank you. I, I'm glad you're doing well. Regards to your family. Thank you. You Take too, care. Joe Be Lieberman. Well. God bless. Uh, really, can't say enough highly uh, about Joe Lieberman. You can disagree all you want, um, but he is a decent, honorable man. All right. Let me tell you about... uh, Let me talk to you about a way to protect yourself, and that is with a secure VPN. Secure VPN stops Facebook and Google and everybody else from tracking you all the time. We would never put up with this in reality. No one could ever follow you, even if the mall said... You know what? We're just following you and making, uh, keeping track of everything that you touch or you're interested in because, you know, we'll send you, you know, some specials when those become available. We're just going to make your shopping experience better. We would never let somebody follow us and watch our every move and write down everything in a mall. No matter how great it made our experience, we wouldn't put up with it. But we do when it's virtual. You need a virtual private network, and the only people that will uh, provide this that I trust is Norton. I want you to go to Norton Secure VPN. You go to Norton.com slash VPN, Norton.com slash VPN. Norton Secure VPN starts at $3.33 a month with an annual subscription. This is the way to protect yourself. Norton.com slash vpn this is the glenn beck program joe lieberman was just on and uh he said i think i think that the democrats the leadership is afraid of the mob now think of that. They're afraid of the mob. They have good reason to be afraid. But I think a reason beyond what you even think. 
There was a story that broke this weekend about a suspect in the Kavanaugh confirmation doxing. Remember, somebody somebody released all this information that he may have uh, assaulted this woman back when they were in high school. Remember all of that? Well, they think they know who did that. And when you hear the details, be afraid. If you're a senator, be very afraid. You're listening to Glenn Beck. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about home title lock. Uh, There's just been a breach of 24 million people in America, and that uh, breach puts you and your title at risk. This is... This is something we've never seen before. They say around the U.S., deed theft has emerged as one of the most sophisticated and devastating frauds ever to menace homeowners. Is that a problem? Why why do anything about it, though? It's crazy. People don't even know about it. No, it's true. Um, You're probably one of the few that know about it because you listen to this program. We found out about it about, I don't know, eight months ago or so. And we immediately, all of us immediately signed up and we took them on as advertisers. And we want to tell you. Don't you know, do as we do, not as we say. Uh, Home Title Lock is the only company that is watching this. Nobody is insuring for it. No bank is looking for it. Only Home Title Lock can actually guard your title. You get a $100 search for free when you sign up. Believe me, you want these guys on your side. If it happens to you, it's a nightmare, an absolute seconds. nightmare. So go to HomeTitleLock.com. Get a $100 value with their free title scan and report. Free with sign-up. It's HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. In the heat of the 2016 election, an unvetted Pakistani national with a proclivity for blackmail gains access to the computer files in one of five Democrats in the House of Representatives. He and his family lift data off the House network, steal the identity of an intelligence specialist, and sent Congress electronic equipment to foreign officials that was only the beginning if it sounds like a if it sounds like a spy novel it it actually is it's called the obstruction of justice <laughs> however it's it's uh it's real and the guy who has been digging has found some additional information that When Joe Lieberman said last hour, I think the Democrats are afraid of the mob. Let me show you who I think they're really afraid of. We go there in one minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. All right, I want to talk to you a little bit about X-Chair. X-Chair is a great, great chair that we are sitting in right now. I will tell you that I mean this sincerely. This is as comfortable as any recliner I have ever sat in. If you're if you're sitting in a recliner and you're watching a football game and somebody comes over, you can give them the recliner and you can pull this out of your office and recline back and watch it with the free footrest and everything else. It is really comfortable. It's an office chair. But it's really, really comfortable. 
best I, best I've ever sat in. If you're working, you know, ten hours a day, typical, I would say, work day for Americans, five days a week. That's twenty six hundred hours a year that you're sitting in a chair. But that's all. But just twenty six hundred hours. But don't worry about it. Uh, and you know, do you? I, I love this this take, which is spend money where you spend your time. I mean, like you know, it, it makes sense to have a comfortable bed. I think it makes sense to have. Uh, you know, a a chair, especially if you're sitting in one working at home or you're working in an office all day. How do you not spend money on a chair that actually makes you comfortable? My mother used to say, spend money on good shoes and good furniture. Mm. Everything else is passing. Uh, this is good furniture. This is the X chair. And they have it priced for all sizes and shapes and and uh, and uh, income levels. It is a great chair made uh, by the X chair company. It is fantastic. X chair Beck.com. Use the promo code Beck. Get the free footrest When you do it's X chair Beck.com, or you can call them at eight, four, four, four X chair. They have a money back guarantee eight, four, four, four X chair promo code Beck eight, four, four, four X chair or X chair Beck.com. Obstruction of justice. Uh, I mean, this thing sounds like a spy novel. Uh, Luke Rosiak has been is the author of it. He is also a reporter of the Daily Caller, and I got him on for something that he wrote this weekend that I'm just not seeing everywhere. This should be the lead story everywhere. Suspect in Kavanaugh confirmation doxing has Feinstein uh, ties allegedly possessed Senate data. And the G- DOJ may hide the details. Listen to this story. I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring you this story. I wanted the guy who found this story and has followed it, and has all the information to tell you. Luke, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So um, let's talk about uh, the doxing. Now this is this is the letter that we all kind of wondered who released about Kavanaugh saying that Kavanaugh raped me and all that. Is that the same letter? No, it's actually a guy who, during the confirmation hearings, he went on Wikipedia and posted the personal addresses and phone numbers of all the Republican senators on the Judiciary Committee. Okay. Um, and uh, you found out that... Um, he has an awful lot of information because he was working where? He was working for, uh, at one point, for Dianne Feinstein and then later for Senator Maggie Hassan of New Hampshire as an IT guy. And so here's what happens from the beginning. This is a rich, really rich, he's a socialist, he's a classic Bernie bro. He's a socialist now, but he grew up as the son of a CEO and one of California's biggest companies guy is a big Feinstein donor. He built a um, he built a university building named after Feinstein's husband. He's literally the chairman of the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce. His daddy's a really well-connected guy. So he gets this internship with Diane Feinstein. He goes over to become an IT guy for Hassan, and he uses his powers as an IT guy to start downloading all the Senate's information, really sensitive stuff. Um, like, like what? When you say sensitive stuff, like what? 
Well, you know, the, the, the judge won't let me be in court to hear it because he says it's too sensitive for the American public to know what was taken, uh, but that this is bad. This is worse than anyone knew. So uh, basically what happened is he gets fired for Senator Hassan's office for reasons that she refuses to divulge. Oh, by the way, this is a, a felon when he was first hired. So Ma- Maggie Hassan hires a felon and gives him the keys to the, all of her servers. Oh, my IT gosh. And then he does something bad again. We don't know what because she won't say, and he's fired. And so then the uh, eminent Sheila Jackson Lee over in the house hires this guy, even though he's just been fired and he's also a felon. How is this happening? How is this happening? So now we're up to the confirmation hearings of Kavanaugh. And, you know, Dianne Feinstein is architecting this whole plot on Kavanaugh with the Blasey Ford that you mentioned, etc. A lot of dirty tricks afoot. And what do you know? This Feinstein uh, acolyte goes in and uses the data that he had access to as an IT guy to get all the information about senators' personal lives and expose it, where people could hunt them down and harm them and do whatever. I mean, this was a really heated time during those confirmation hearings. And so the problem is he snuck back into Maggie Hassan's office, which had fired him, to get to log on to their servers and download all this information. And they caught him in the act. And he said, well, you know, I have everything already. I've got your Gmails. I've got your Signal encrypted chats. I've got all the information about the senator's kids. If you tell anyone, I'm going to release all of that. And so he starts blackmailing Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan. Uh, So this is a bad, bad dude who had access to everything and is legit blackmailer. Um, Hassan, the the guy that he tried to blackmail, he didn't give in. He called the cops anyway, and the cops arrested him. And there was like literally one day of news stories about this in the Washington Post and the New York Times. And so fast forward a little bit, and you're in court, and I'm the only reporter who bothers to show up because I thought during 2016 the Democrats really cared about political hacking. It turns out that they don't. They dropped this this news story after one second because it was a Democratic guy. And so it turns out that he wasn't bluffing. When he said, I have everything, I've already got all the information, he wasn't kidding. He has everything. So now the prosecutors are saying, this is so bad, it's worse than we originally knew, it's so bad we can't even discuss it in court. And yet, it looks like now they're they're going to settle, and this could be sealed? Yeah, I mean, so there's really no basis as far as what I can understand for kicking me out of court. Uh, they let his mom stay. It's, uh, it's You'd think, with the sensational stuff that we just went through, you would think that at least one reporter from a mainstream news organization might think this is newsworthy, but that's not the case. It's literally just been me and his mom at each court date. And so they let the mom stay, and they kick me out for no for no good reason other than Diane Feinstein is the head of the Judiciary Committee, which oversees all the federal courts. She's the guy that hired this guy. His dad is, you know, a big donor and, and highly connected political guy in California. And so now, you know, America never gets to find out the extent of this frightening national security breach, this hack on the Senate. Uh, and so they use his money to get him out. And it's so funny because he's this skinny little white kid and he was freaking out about being in D.C. jail general population. And they said that openly in court. They said they, they got to get him out of Gen Pop. He'll do anything to get out. Please, judge. And so they bring the money in and they say, we've got teams of psychologists. We'll pay for the finest care. And so they get him out of jail, even though the judge, the prosecutor was saying, look, after we apprehended this guy, 
he was blackmailing us and saying, if you don't let me out of jail and drop all the charges, I'm going to release all the data that I have. That's obstruction of justice right there. This guy is a flight risk. This guy is a bad dude. You can't let him be out in society. And they use his connections and his money to let him out. They seal the proceedings, and now it looks like they're going to do a plea deal with him. This is phenomenal to me, um, but it, it gets worse than this. You have a new book that is coming out, Obstruction of Justice, and this book uh, is is a story that we covered through you. You were the only one really doing this and, and connecting all of the dots. You've put it together in a book, and everyone should read it, but uh, it's so frustrating because nothing was done. And when when Joe Lieberman was on just a few minutes ago and said, you know, I think the Democrats are afraid. Yes, they are afraid. Uh, And the Republicans may be afraid, too. But of whom? We'll go into that with uh, Luke Rosiak just in just a second. Again, his name of his book is Obstruction of Justice. Sponsor this half hour is LifeLock. LifeLock would uh, like to remind you that your credit cards and uh, your Social Security number and your address and and everything is available. Everything. When you file a tax return, now is the time that they grab your Social Security number and your taxes and they can file for your return. Uh, And the IRS is already paid when you when you go and say, hey, I need my money. They say, oh, it's already been paid. Yeah, somebody somebody claimed it wasn't you. Huh. What do you do right now? You can save 10 percent off your first year with LifeLock. LifeLock makes sure that nobody is taking your identity and pretending to be you. Now, nobody can stop all identity threats, you know, or or monitor all transactions. However, LifeLock can uncover the threats that you might miss on your own. And somebody's working 24-7 just to get your stuff. It's hard to believe, but it's true. LifeLock can uncover those threats that you might miss on your own. Get 10% off your first year now by using promo code BECK at 1-800-LIFELOCK. Head to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get 10% off. 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. Promo code BECK. Break for 10 seconds. Station ID. So there was an amazing story about a family that uh, became the IT experts for the Democrats in Congress. And when it all came crashing down, instead of protecting national security, Congress and the Justice Department got together and covered up this story. Um, A dozen offices were involved on Capitol Hill Evidence disappeared. Witnesses were threatened. Supposed watchdogs in the media all turned a blind eye, except for Luke Rosiak. He was there, and it's out in a new book, Obstruction of Justice. He's a reporter for The Daily Caller. Luke, tell America about this story. This is really one of the most remarkable stories I think I'll ever see in my life. It's one that, uh, by design, Americans never heard about. So this is a book about two things. This hack on the Congress by these Pakistani guys during the 2016 election, and then also the cover-up by Democrats, which it turns out is 
as interesting as the crime. And so it gets back to the same thing that the, the Russia narrative that the Democrats, we've seen how deliberately they constructed that. Well, it turns out that on the same week that the DNC was first hacked, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's IT guy in the House, who was a Pakistani guy named Imran Awan, he got caught hacking Congress. And so instead of arresting him, they launched this massive, massive uh, cover-up campaign because think about how that would have played out in the media. I mean, you arrest someone the same deal that same day, you arrest this guy the same day the DNC emails go up, uh, your Russia narrative kind of goes out the window, right? Mm -hmm. And they have to pretend they care about hacking and they have to pretend that you know, Russia is our arch nemesis and it's not as it's not more nuanced than that. Uh, and so the efforts throughout the 2016 election when they're, you know, promulgating this Russia narrative are really extraordinary. The whole time they know that the house is being hacked and they decide to leave the hacker on the network rather than arrest him. And so the evidence starts disappearing. Um, they know they, they, there's a report out there that says from the Capitol Police that says that the Democratic Caucus, uh, which is kind of the DNC's sister group, was hacked by this guy. Well, guess what? When the cops went to confiscate the server, it had gone missing. So this guy knew he was under investigation. Evidence starts disappearing. Witnesses are threatened. Uh, and the, uh, the, the investigator who first uncovered this, the House Inspector General, she was actually framed on false ethics charges by Nancy Pelosi and driven out of Congress. Uh, so really, this is a can book. You, that, can you prove that? Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's in the book. I mean, in, in significant levels of detail. And so you would think that the main level, the, the main... Uh, character of this book is Imran Awan, who it turns out is truly this sociopathic guy who had two wives under Sharia law in Virginia, both of whom were being kept in captivity, threatened with with death uh, if they went if they came forward to the police. And then he also had a stepmother. He he was uh, also blackmailing and wiretapping and threatening to murder her whole family if she went to the cops. And she actually testified that under oath. And so the FBI knows about that and did nothing. And so here's this guy who has access to all the emails and files of 20% of Congress because of his, uh, his work as an IT guy for Democrats. And he's a known blackmailer. He's a known – he uses high-tech devices to spy on people. Uh, and then we know that he's breaking into congressmen's servers, people he doesn't even work for, and funneling their data off the network. And then so over in Pakistan – he spends year, months out of every year in Pakistan tra escorted by a motorcade of Pakistani intel agents. Uh, meanwhile, over in the United States, he's got shell companies that are taking money from Hezbollah. And all this is in documents. It's in court records, et cetera. And so the FBI knew about this. Um, and the whole – it really is. It's like – it's like a spy novel, Glenn, and it, it blows your mind to think that this kind of thing could go on and we don't hear about it. And so it kind of gets back to the first story that we talked about. By concealing the criminal charges, right, by rigging the criminal case, they kind of make it so that everyone assumes, oh, there must not be anything there. I mean, the person, it was no big deal. They wouldn't go to jail. They weren't arrested or whatever. And so by keeping this guy from being arrested, even though everyone knew the facts, which were truly, truly astonishing, they were able to keep control of that narrative, right, and talk about Russia through the 2016 election. So, but has anything been solved? I mean, you would think that at some point they would say, okay, but all right, we've got to cover this up because it's going to be bad for us, but, but we've got to solve this so there is no back door. 
I mean, there's two levels of of bad here. One is that they let this happen and we don't know about it. The second level is they they may all be compromised. And they haven't done anything. Absolutely. And that's to this day. There may be dozens of members of Congress who this guy who he told his own wife, you know, I'm a, I'm a mole in Congress for Pakistan, but I know too much. So I can't be prosecuted. Don't worry, honey. I'm going to get out of this. And she said, look, I'm not comfortable with this. I've seen the things you do. It's sick. I'm going to the FBI. And he said, look, if you go to the FBI, I'm going to kill your whole family. And his wife is on the record in the book saying that uh, this is a horrible, horrible dude who the Democrats gave access to all their data. And you're exactly right, Glenn. I mean, they made this choice, and I thought that they would do the right thing. Because at the end of the day, politics aren't everything, right? We get a little too worked up in this country about elections. At the end of the day, we all want to do the right thing. We want to follow the rules. We want to protect national security. What I learned in the course of reporting this book, Obstruction of Justice, is that the Democrats will do anything to win elections, and they don't care who it harms. And they're so smart about it because the thing is about this book, um, and I started to mention Imran Wan is the one character, but then the other main character is uh, the chief fixer for Nancy Pelosi, um, this really Machiavellian, very clever guy who implements all these schemes to kind of make this all go away, framing the inspector general, making sure that the Paul Ryan folks, uh, you know, don't, you know, kind of, uh, make help make this go away. Um, the level of strategy and cleverness and really viciousness that goes into it. The Democrats are PR masters, and they kind of want it more than Republicans. So this is a book that takes you behind the scenes on Capitol Hill uh, to show you how the cover-up works and the, the strategies that you see here are the same things that they did during the stories we hear about all the time with the whole Russian narrative and the, you know, and also future scandals that are going on all the time. I mean, it's really, this is a book that tells you how Washington works and it's really just a sick, cynical place where people are more concerned with their own job security than our national security. It's a uh, phenomenal story. Um, Any, any feeling at all, you know, the, um, uh, the head of care and the guy who was with the Palestinian Council, which is Muslim Brotherhood, um, he went into Congresswoman Omar's uh, chambers uh, for a closed door meeting. He and a bunch of other members of care uh, right before Nancy Pelosi and others changed their mind and decided not to not to vote just against anti-Semitism, but all hate in general. Uh, and to include the hate that comes towards, uh, you know, uh, Muslims here in America um, and I thought the timing was uh, very, very suspicious. Um, but is there any indication that anybody has done anything with this information? I mean, he sent electronic equipment over to, uh, you know, our enemies. He did. I mean, he was sending data. He was sending computers. And, you know, he uh basically managed to do all this other unrelated fraud in Pakistan, and then the government would protect him over there because of his relationship. So I don't know exactly what data he gave him, but whatever it was, it was enough for Pakistani government to owe him a lot of favors. Amazing. Thank you, Luke. I appreciate it. Luke Rosiak, the name of the book is Obstruction of Justice. Uh, And uh, good work to not only Luke, but also to the Daily Caller as well. 
Uh, he is a reporter on The Daily Caller. You're listening to Glenn Beck. So uh, I love to I love to paint. It relaxes me, but quite honestly, without relief factor, uh, I don't know if I could I can paint. Um, I have gotten to a point to where I can write I can write about half a page before my hands uh, just stop working. And I love to write. I love to use my hands. I love to paint. Couldn't before Relief Factor. Uh, and this has been going on for a long time. About a year ago, I started using Relief Factor, and I took it. You know, like the commercial says, try it for three weeks if it doesn't work. So I didn't think it was going to work. My wife was like, just try it. And I did, and it worked. And now I take it three times a day. And it has greatly helped me, greatly helped me. If you're in pain, it doesn't have to be this way. Just try it for three weeks. 800-583-84. 800-583-84. Or go to relieffactor.com. So many of you have signed up for Blaze TV. We thank you for that. Go to blazetv.com. Use the promo code GLEN and save 10 bucks. Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenbeck program. I uh, on Friday I was out in Los Angeles and uh, met with some uh, filmmakers that want to make the story of the Nazarene Fund. Uh, they heard about it recently uh, and and wanted to sit down and talk to me and and Tim Ballard and some of the other guys about um, you know is this true? <laughs> and you 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 verify all this? And we're like yeah. Uh, it's an incredible story on what has has happened. Um, an update for you. I just got this Friday. We have de- deployed another team into Syria to assist with the uh, safe transport of 21 newly released uh, Yazidi women that had been held by ISIS. This is the same area where just a few days ago um, we um, found in a tunnel... 50 heads of women uh, that were beheaded by their ISIS captors. ISIS is still is still still playing a role. And what's frightening is uh, these guys have gone back into their neighborhoods and they've shaved their beard and they're acting like, oh, no, that wasn't me. But they're still there and nobody is hunting uh, for them. There are many more people that are uh, being released, and we are going in and getting. We are trying to get countries to accept these people. We just yesterday reunited uh, a 13-year-old girl who was kidnapped and raped and forced to have two abortions when she was nine. Uh, And we reunited her with her sister her mother and father are still missing this is like the emptying out of of auschwitz but nobody is really helping the world's not helping you know find people nobody's nobody's there uh and we are doing this because of you uh and with the money that you have donated please help us the nazarenefund.org the nazarenefund.org we'll have more on that later this week uh also i was with tony robbins uh this weekend he and his wife and his staff are the nicest people i think i've ever met 
literally, I think, uh, I mean, I, I was thinking about it this weekend and I've met some pretty great people. Uh, Thanks, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's a nice thing. Well, to I was say. thinking about Billy Graham, but oh. uh, Tony Robbins is in that class. He and his wife and his staff. I, I've really never met any any group of people like this. Really, truly remarkable people. I kind of would see him as being a positive person, considering it's yeah. essentially. Yeah, he's entire... a little so positive. You're like, shut up, <laughs> shut up. Uh, but he's what's what's amazing about him is I didn't realize how sick he is. He is going through some real issues. He's got an issue. He thought he tore his shoulder. I think he did tear his shoulder. Uh, and then uh, he went to a doctor and he said he got real spinal issues and no more jumping around or anything. And if you've ever seen Tony, he can be excitable. He jumps a lot. <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, so he's got that going on. And he was going to go in for this surgery or something, this treatment over in Europe for it. And um, and decided uh, or he was told he had to have a blood test before and they had to run down everything. Well, his doctor calls him, uh, and he's like, just just get the results. Just have him send the results. And the doctor was like, no, Tony, you either have to get in or you have to get on the phone with me. So he picked up the phone, and he said, I need you to sit down, Tony. And he's like, just tell me what it is. And he's like, I need you to sit down. He said, you have mercury poisoning. And he said, I, I, excuse me if I'm botching all this. He said, but it's on a scale of one to five. And five being bad. And he said, that's usually what we see. And five is where we're like, okay, there's a problem. He said, uh, your number is 229. And he said, we, you know, the guys who were testing it thought maybe this was an autopsy because you shouldn't be walking around with that. Um, and Tony said, well, I, I knew I was tired, but I've just finished, you know, like 41 countries. And doing these things, he said, so I knew I wasn't feeling right, but I just thought it was because of the grueling. And he's like, no, you you, you got to get this down. So his uh, staff, he did a deal this weekend at the L.A. Convention Center, and I was there. And um, uh, I happened to be backstage and behind, you know, off to the side of the stage. And uh, they're monitoring him all the time. They monitor his heart rate. They're monitoring his uh, his oxygen levels. I mean, they're monitoring everything on this guy. And he gets up every morning and is vomiting and just really Jeez. is struggling. And you would never know it. And he's like, because I'm in control of my body. My body is not in control. He's like, I am Tony Robbins. I created Tony Robbins. It's me. But this body is just the vehicle that I'm encapsulated in, and I'm in control of that. I mean, the guy is just remarkable, just truly remarkable. So you saw the show, which I, I, mean, I assume had a really <clears throat> small crowd. He doesn't. Te- <laughs> it was it was um, a, a little bigger than small. Mm-hmm. It was two football fields long. Two football fields long. So you can kind of relate. You couldn't see the end of the crowd. I was at the stage. I couldn't see the end of the crowd. He said, I, I've got monitors up on the stage, and he did. So he can see the 
the other side of the crowd, the rest of the crowd. It's it's crazy, just crazy. And he's, I mean, what did you get out of it? Because, I mean, he was, obviously, he's a motivational speaker, would be his yeah. category. Yeah, I, you know, you actually, super I... super motivated today. I, yeah, right, mm-hmm. right, I am. I actually, I am. Um, it was strange because... Uh, uh, I got stuff out of it I didn't think I would get out of. Um, I mean, he was he led an exercise where you're supposed to go for gratitude, and the stuff he's talking about. If we would just all of us do, it would be such a we'd fix our problems. Um, and he was talking a lot about gratitude and and how you know we in this country can do things that you just can't do elsewhere, and that we that we have freedoms here and that you can, you know, be like him where he was worth nothing. It was nothing. And he almost went bankrupt uh, back, I think, in the 90s uh, and worked hard to turn it around. I mean, we have opportunities here. So he's talking about gratitude. And, um, you know, I've, I used to talk about my dad a lot. Um, and my father was... Um, he was a practitioner of something called the science of mind. And it came from a guy named Rupert. uh, No, not Rupert. um, uh, Ernest Holmes. And he wrote a book in the 1920s or 30s. And my father actually got to work with him and learn from him. And he was kind of a Tony Robbins, if you will. Uh, and he he took all of the religious texts of the world and he put them on top of each other and he said, where they intersect, there's truth. And so he just took the truths that all religions are saying and said, okay, so what does this mean? And he called God mind because people, when you think of God, you think of what you are imagining and that's different from somebody else. So he wanted just to make it neutral because this is the science or the mechanics of how things work. And so it was very, I mean, Tony Robbins is, I mean, he was, it sounded like my dad. And uh, my dad and I uh, were estranged uh, the last few years of his life. And and a lot of it was because uh, uh, he, he changed. He reverted back to the man he always told me he didn't want to be. And... Um, and he and he really he turned into a, a pretty bad man at the end, and so I, unbeknownst to me, I have rejected all of the stuff that I built my life around. Um, I had just stopped doing it, and as Tony said, uh, he's like, if I stop doing this, I will be the guy I was. Because this is this is work. You have to work at it all the time, and uh, and I had stopped a lot of it. And he was doing this thing about gratitude, and I started thinking about um, my dad, and um, you know we never had a a funeral for him. Um, we never mourned. I, I had never even cried about my father's passing, um, which is obviously very odd for me <laughs> until this weekend yeah i mean deliveries show up 10 minutes late and you're on the floor yeah you know? 
<laughs> it is. I uh, don't know. If, well, it depends on what the delivery is. Yeah. If it's food, yes. 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 So that would be very odd for you. Yeah. And um, and that just came out this weekend. It was it was uh, odd, but I learned a lot from it. Learned a lot from it. So what do you take? What, do you, what where does this go from here? I'm, uh, is it? Are you buying all the the tapes? Are you going to be a distributor now? You're going to be? No, I don't think. Does he do that? I don't think he does. That. Yeah, I don't think he does that. <laughs> Um, just I know a, he sells the tapes. Um, yeah. He seems like, I mean, he seems, it seems like his advice is really rock you, you, solid. Rock solid. And you pointed about, you pointed this out before you went, it's one of those things you just don't want to hear because you kind of know that most of it's right and you don't want to deal with it. Right. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, um, so I, I don't want to hear any more. About All the stuff that he talks about was, was that. And he said he gets up every morning and he either goes into a cryo freeze uh, first thing, he has a cryo, mm-hmm. you know, freezer at his house, and so that's two hundred below zero. Jeez. And he said, "I roll out of bed," and he said, "I've trained myself to not hit the snooze alarm." He said, "You have to train yourself." And he said, "The first thing I do is I either cryo freeze or I get into a a bath or a pool at fifty degrees." And maybe not all advice. I think you should take right. from, from yeah. <laughs> and he said, "I do it." He said, "I do it." just to train myself do it you're going to make a commitment to something and you're going to do it and he said so i start every morning like that he said it's good for you health wise etc etc he said but you've got to train yourself that you are in charge of your life not your emotions not your feelings not your body but you are in charge it was it was it was he's he's quite a remarkable guy Quite a remarkable guy. My understanding was uh, that Donald Trump's tweets were in charge of my life. Is that (laughs) not accurate? You know, I think, no, that's accurate for everyone who works at CNN or the mainstream media. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, Here's our sponsor this half hour. It is uh, Goldline. Goldline has just come out with their 2019 version of the legal tender bar. Now, this is something that I asked them, I don't know, a few years ago. I said, you know, is there something I don't want to carry around old gold coins or something like that? Is there something that I could give to my kids or something when they're traveling or, you know, they're at college and it'll get them home? Or if I'm traveling, I have with me. And I wanted it kind of like credit card size. Is there a way you can make something? And they did. They went to the Canadian Mint and had the mint make a legal tender bar. Now, it comes in a uh, kind of a, a, a barter case that you can slide open for easy access and easy use. That's new this year. And it's designed to carry in your purse or your wallet or whatever. And it is for in case things are tragically breaking down and you need access to something so they're one-tenth of an ounce gold bars from the canadian mint and the only place you can get these is gold line find out if gold or silver is right for you by visiting gold line 1-866 gold line 1-866 gold line or goldline.com this is the glenn beck program So, Stu, I don't know if you uh, if you follow. Are you following Andrew Yang? Yeah, we've talked about him a few times. <laughs> yeah. He's a, a tech You're entrepreneur. <laughs> You're the one. I am. I've told right. you about him before. I think he'd be an interesting conversation with you. Actually. I think so too. Yeah. Well, Andrew Yang is running for president of the United States, um, and I want to play. Could we? Could we play the cut from Andrew Yang uh, this weekend? 
Uh, and who is going to be the boogeyman of the next 10 to 20 years? Who's going to be the great rival to the United States in the eyes of American society? China, that's right. And so what do you think the <laughs> attitude is going to be over time for the shrinking, insecure white majority that's losing their jobs for, let's say, Chinese Americans or Asian Americans? I, I don't, I'm like, I personally, I said to a group at Harvard, I think we're one generation away from falling into the same camps as the Jews who were attacked in the synagogue in Pittsburgh, like uh, just a couple months ago. It's like we're probably one generation away from Americans shooting up a bunch of Asians saying like, you know, damn the Chinese because there, there's a giant Cold War or even more with China. That is the great danger that I fear that my children are going to grow up in. Okay, so here was a guy who I thought, you know, it'd be an interesting conversation because he's a billionaire and he's a guy who is actually believes that AI is going to start, you know, uh, destroying jobs. And his idea is we should we should pay everybody a thousand dollars a month and then they won't need a job. No, that's a bad idea. But uh, I at least he was talking the real thing about, you know, jobs coming back. He's saying that jobs are not coming back. So I thought, OK, well, there's at least one guy who is, you know, has a crazy remedy, but at least is talking common sense. Uh, and now we're we're one generation from uh, gassing Asians in America. So well, I we guess are. <laughs> the progressives did pretty much almost do that uh, a generation ago. Is that what he was referring to? Yeah, maybe that was uh, it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that not. was it. They maybe rounded not. up the Japanese and it was the progressive president uh, FDR that did that. Yeah, that's uh, maybe he means something else. Uh, you know, look, he's still running in a democratic primary. I don't, I'm not saying he's sane, but I do think the fact that he's actually <laughs> caring about the issues that you've talked about um, when it comes to AI is in, is an interesting part of this. He's getting so much attention from the sort of like tech millennial uh, left, mm-hmm. like they now have him as a f- having a fifteen percent chance of winning the nomination on the Predictit site, which is, is that's insane, it's insanely high. It's like twice as much as Elizabeth Warren, and so I mean I don't think it's real at all, but it is a fascinating. He's a guy who kind of he's going to be in one of the debates though. He he found a little loophole in the debate rules that said he had to get a certain amount of individual donations. He's now cleared that. 15% chance, no chance of winning. No way. Right? Andrew Yang, no a way, guy right? nobody has ever heard of. You're listening to Glenn Beck.